teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now as Pastor Joe Petting teaches from the book of 2 Peter, chapter 3. For God is so patient. And it tells us why in the next verse. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to Repentance. The reason why God is waiting so long is because he does not want any to perish. He's patient. He's long-suffering. He doesn't want anyone to, you know, to, to perish and, and die. He wants everyone to come to me. He wants everyone to be saved. God is not slack concerning his promises. He's not willing that any shall perish. When the rapture takes place, those that are saved, need to die for their faith. They need to be beheaded for their faith. You know, I have, I have a relative that, that told me that he thinks he can make it through the tribulation period, basically. I was like, what? He says, oh yeah, my family's not saved. I'm going to go, you know, try to save them and to minister to them and I'm going to do my own thing. But, you know, even if I go through the, through the tribulation period, that's okay. I understand it now, you know, so I'll get beheaded. I'll die. And I'm, I'm thinking, no. You don't want to do that. I mean, what kind of thinking is that? If you can't live for Jesus Christ today, how do you think you're going to be able to die for him during that time of tribulation? During that time, don't you know, mistake in this. There's going to be a great deception during the time of tribulation. There's going to be some kind of great deception that's going to take place that, that will deceive many, and many are going to be deceived. And you know, how in the world... Do you think you can make it through that time? I, I hope there's nobody here that thinks that they can make it through the time of tribulation. Or you, well, well, I'm just going to take my chances. You don't want to be here during tr- that tribulation time. God is not slack, though. He's long-suffering towards us. He's not willing that any here should perish. Anybody should perish. Isn't that, you know, you think of the love that God has. He's like a loving daddy, a loving father. He doesn't want anyone to to suffer that punishment of torment for eternity. Nobody. But it's our job. It's our, you know, we're called to to make sure people understand that, that they know how to be saved. So the Lord's not slack concerning his promises. He's not willing that any should perish. He's long-suffering. He's patient. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the, the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. The day of the Lord. I believe the day of the Lord, you, different Bible scholars believe in different things. 
I believe the day of the Lord. Some either believe the day of the Lord is speaking of the, the day of tribulation when the tribulation hits the earth. Others believe the day of the Lord is the second coming of Jesus Christ. I, I personally believe that it's speaking about the day of tribulation on the earth because it comes as a thief in the night. Nobody knows when the tribulation is going to hit. Nobody knows when you know, the rapture is going to happen. We, we, no, you know, as a thief in the night, God's going to come, take his church, and he's going to pour out his wrath on a, a Christ-rejected world. So I believe you know, the day of the Lord is speaking of that time. It's also known as Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah 30, verse 7, the time of Jacob's trouble when, when tribulation hits the earth. But it's going to come unexpectedly like a thief. But again, when Jesus comes, the, the judgment's going to hit. The earth is going to be hit. And eventually it's going to be burned up. It's going to burn with fervent heat. The elements, many believe that this is talking about an atomic explosion, an atomic bomb possibly, you know, taking place, you know, burning everything up with fervent heat. And again, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned. This is just a great message, isn't it? The earth's going to blow up. (laughs) But as we're going to see, there's a new heaven and a new earth. In Revelation 21, therefore, since this is going to happen, therefore, verse 11, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Again, many believe that this is a, could be an atomic explosion, just a, or just a, you know, a, a total explosion with everything just burning up with fervent heat. But the, the, the wording here is, what should we be doing? What manner of persons should we be? If we believe this, if you believe that Jesus Christ is going to come and then the earth will be destroyed, the ungodly will be destroyed. If this is true, how are we supposed to be? If Jesus can come at any time like a thief in the night, I believe as I was going through this, I was thinking we should live every day like it's our last day. Right? If you knew Jesus Christ was coming tonight, what would you change in your life? Was there, is there anything you would change if you knew that Jesus Christ was coming back tonight or tomorrow? And I believe it's healthy for, for every one of us as we live that way, believing that Jesus, because he can, he can come at any time. There, there's nothing on, I believe there's nothing on the prophetic calendar that has to take place before Jesus Christ t- comes back. Nothing. There's nothing that, that, that he has to do before the rapture of the church. Right now, as we're talking, as we're just meditating on Jesus, as we're meditating on his word, the the rapture can happen right now, instantly. I would wonder who would be left in this room. Would there any be left in this room right now? Left behind? I gave a study like that, you know, years ago and I, about being left behind and I had, you know, someone called me up and, you know, wanted to know, you know, what does that mean? And, you know, if I'm, you know, if there's things I'm holding on to and all that kind of stuff, what does it mean? Would I be left behind? If you don't know Jesus, yeah. I remember I had an appointment at Calvary Costa Mesa, a counseling appointment and I, older gentleman, gentleman probably in his late 50s, early 60s, so not older gentlemen anymore. I'm getting, I'm 50 years. (laughs) 
But I sat down with this gentleman and he looked me right in the eyes and he says, I've been going to the church here for, I think he said 20 or 25 years. And he says, I know if Jesus Christ comes back today, I know I'd be left behind. And this was when I was at Calvary Costa Mesa. I said, you've been sitting under this teaching for 25 years or 20 some years and you're not saved? He says, no. He says, I even go to the midweek Bible study. And he says, I just heard a message about being left behind. And he says, my wife loves Jesus and I know she'll be gone. My son is on fire for Jesus Christ and I know my son will be gone. He says, but I know for a fact I'll be left here. And he says, what do I do about that, pastor? And I said, if you've been sitting here for 25 years, I think you know what to do by now. And he says, well, how do I know if I'm not just going to pray a prayer because I'm afraid to be left behind? And I says, well, the prodigal son came back to his father because he was hungry. I says, whatever it takes. I said, but you need to give your life over to Jesus Christ. You need to turn and repent and become born again. And he prayed and received Jesus Christ and asked Christ to forgive him with tears in his eyes, weeping and saying, God, please forgive me. I don't want to be left behind. Cleanse me. I give you my life. And I told him, I says, you go home and tell your wife what you just did and tell your son that you're born again. And you've seen just a change in his right there before my eyes. 25 years or 20, over 20 plus years hearing the word of God, going through the word of God over and over and over and over, but not born again. How ought we to be? What manner of life should we be living? What kind of people should we? We should be living godly lives. We should be, as we read Verses like this, we should be so stirred up to say, I know I was reading this and say, Lord, Lord, I want to live each moment for you. Lord, change me day by day. I want holy conduct. I want to live for you all my days, Lord. Godliness, reverence for God. When the rapture comes, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be, you know, in my flesh, you know, Doing something, you no? Know, could you imagine that? You know, you're you're doing something, you know, you're upset at somebody, you're maybe yelling at somebody, like blah, 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 and then Jesus comes. You know, it, you know how much, how awesome would it be just sitting here, opening up the Word of God, contemplating the things of Jesus and the in His Word? Wouldn't it be just awesome that tonight we'd just be caught up together with Him in the cloud? How ought we to be? You know, knowing these things, we know these things. The world they don't know these things, but we know that at any time we could be caught up together with Him, and you know that it should change us. It should keep us in that reverence and that awe of Him. Verse thirteen. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens. So our focus should be the fact that this place is going to burn up. This place is going to be you know, taken out. There's going to be a new heaven. So we look forward to a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I'm excited about the new heaven. 
Righteousness dwells. God himself, you know, is going to dwell with man again. Isn't that going to be awesome? There's no need in the new heaven and the new earth. There's no need of a sun. There's no need of, you know, because the brightness of his glory is going to be there. And we're going to be with him and dwelling with God forever and ever and ever. No more flesh to contend with. No more sin to contend with. No more, you know, whatever, temptations to contend with. Could you imagine that world? I can't even imagine that, where righteousness dwells, where rightness dwells, where everything's right. That's what we're to be looking towards and excited about, this new place. Therefore, beloved, verse 14, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace and without spot and blameless. As the apostle Peter's writing this, he's you know, saying, this is gonna happen. <laughs> God can come at any time and he can, he's going to bring judgment, but you know, we should be diligent to be found in him in peace and spotless. I see it as, you know, continually being close with him, having short accounts, clinging to the cross, clinging to, you know, always turning away, turning away from, you know, the, the things of the world and be found in him at the cross. There's, there's forgiveness, there's peace. And that's where we're to be found every, every day in that place of just being close with him, being found by him in peace without spot and blameless. I'll tell you, when you go to the cross and you spend time constantly repenting and turning and confessing your sins and giving it to him, there is such peace. I believe there's too many people living in guilt and condemnation. You know, they're just, they're just riddled with it. As being a pastor, I'll meet people. Sometimes people are get so, you know, they, you can tell their heads down. You know, they can't even look you in the eye and they're just so riddled with condemnation or so riddled with, with, with guilt. And it's like, you know, I, I just want to say, just go to the cross. Just give it to Jesus. You know, he's quick to forgive. He's, he's slow to anger. He's so good. He's so gracious. Why, is, why don't you have peace just reigning in your heart right now? God wants you to have peace reigning inside of you. And it's as simple as us as believers just continually, continually going to the cross. Experience peace. Experience his forgiveness. And the guilt is gone. We're spotless. The truth of the gospel is that when we go to the cross, we are forgiven for all of our sins. Past, present, future sin. And we can walk with our heads high saying, I'm forgiven. By the blood of Jesus Christ, I, my sin is forgiven. And we can have such peace each and every day and we're spotless. And that's how we're to be diligent to stay in that place. When you mess up, go to the cross. When you have a bad thought, go to the cross. When you're upset with your, your friend or your neighbor, go to the cross. And be found in him. To be found by him in peace without spot and blemish. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord, verse 15, is salvation. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to, his, according to the wisdom given to him, was written to you. So Paul's writings, obviously uh, these believers had Paul's writings and Paul was confirming the same thing, that God's long suffering, you know, he's, his, his long suffering is, is salvation. He's waiting for all the people to give their lives to Christ. And Paul's saying that God is, you know, he's slow to anger and he's, he's patient. So he's saying that Paul agrees with this. Verse 16, as also all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. 
So he's, he's saying Paul confirms all this. He's writing the same thing, but there's these false teachers. They twist these things. They, they make these things, you know, they twist it to their own destruction. But I want to point something out. I know we're running low on time here and there's a lot of noise in that parking lot right now, but um, I want to point something out. Check this out. Notice that the apostle Peter is calling the writings of Paul scripture. That's the only place in the New Testament we have them, you know, one apostle calling another apostle's writing scripture. You might want to take note of that. Check it out. He's calling the writings, the letters of Paul, he's calling them scripture. And that you might want to take a note of. It's very, it's a very good note to have because here you have Peter calling Paul's writings actual scripture. Verse 17. Two more verses. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the air of the wicked. So the warning, beware. You know this is going to happen. You know these things. You know eschatology. You understand that, that at any time Jesus is going to come, at any time there's going to be judgment on the earth. So be steadfast, be firm in the things you know. The word steadfast means to be to basically to be firm in these things. Stand firm in these things. Don't be led away with error. And last verse, and this is such a powerful verse as we end this. And I love this. Whenever I hear about grace, I just, my, my brain perks up. Check this out. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as he ends the letter. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. As we wrap up, the Apostle Peter says, these things are going to happen. There's false teachers. Don't go that way. Don't listen to them. Stick with Scripture. Interpret Scripture with Scripture. Judgment will come, so be steadfast. But again, he wrote this for another reason, that we should grow, Right? And he says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love to hear that. Grow in grace. I want to grow in grace more. Favor. Grace is so freeing. I love the fact that we are saved by grace through faith. We're saved by, by faith, you know, saved by grace through faith. We're saved by God's amazing grace favor. And we're to grow in that. We're to grow in favor with God and favor with others. And, you know, to, to, I believe, as he's saying, grow in grace to realize how much favor you have as a child of God first. Do you know that you're favored in the eyes of God? Do you know that? That it's his grace, nothing that you did. There's no one here that can stand up and boast in what you did. I'm saved because I did so many good things for God. If that's how you're saved, then you're not really saved. You're saved by the grace of God because of what Jesus Christ did for you at the cross. And we're to grow in that grace. To realize I am favored with God. I'm one of his favorite. All of us are his favorites. We're, you know, he has favor on us. But not only that, check this out. I believe where we're to grow in grace is we're to extend that favor to others. 
or to esteem others more highly than ourselves. It is so freeing when we put others first. Our human nature, and I know you guys know this, is very selfish. You are very selfish. Do I have to tell you that? That's our nature. That's our human nature. We are selfish, our sinful nature. Me, me, me. And there's such freedom when we put others first and we show favor to others. When we have that bitter heart, when we have that hardened heart, when we have, you know, why did they do that? Why did they say that? And it's all this, why are they doing this? Why is he going over? Why is what time is it? Or whatever it is. You know, you know, that me, 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 me. And we can have that hardened heart, but you know, we're to grow in grace. Esteeming others more highly, having favor with others, showing favor to others, showing, you know, as our brother shared, as, as Nathan shared, how you know they're burning down the churches there in Egypt and they're doing all this stuff. But what are they doing? They're loving and forgiving those that are hurting them. That's showing God's favor. Those people don't deserve it. And in your sinful nature, you want to say, burn their mosques down, burn them. You know, in, in your sinful nature, you want to say, get them. But that's not God's heart. God is filled with love and grace. And it's such a powerful thing when we extend that grace, when we extend that love, and it, it disarms the most hardened heart. Try it. When you show love to someone that doesn't deserve it, when you show grace to someone that's hurting you, and, it, and it's so powerful. I was making toast here before the, the service. I, if you smell a, a, a burnt smell in the hallway or in the fellowship hall, it's because just about every Tuesday night, I burn toast. I, I try hard, but I, every Tuesday night, I, just, I, I put the setting on the wrong setting. I don't know what I do. But I obviously don't know what I'm doing when it comes to toast. But check this out. I put toast in my first, you know, I, you know, I make quite a few different pieces there. So I put, you know, just one, two little slices in. I put it down and Chad comes in and he says, hey, you know, are you using the toaster? And I'm like, yeah, I, I do every Tuesday night. I didn't say that. And he had some nan bread, you know, from he just got, and he had to put it in the toaster. So he's, he didn't ask me, but he set it down on the counter and he walked away. And I'm thinking, I think he wants to use the toaster. My sinful nature was thinking, wait till I'm done doing my toast here, and then you can have the toaster when I'm finished. And then I thought about the message, you know, grace and favor. <laughs> Serious, it just happened. And I says, hey, hey, bro, hey, Chad, I said, you want to use the toaster? He goes, yeah, if you're done. And I was like, yeah, yeah, come on, I'm done, come on. And I was thinking, you know, how freeing that is. We're to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord, to know him more, to experience his grace, to experience his love, to experience him more. What an ending on such a wonderful letter. I pray it's our prayer. I pray that it's your prayer, that we would grow in that grace that God has extended to us, that we'd grow in that. But it's my prayer also that we would grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we would know him more. I want to know him more, more intimately, closer, because he is awesome. He is love. He is powerful. And when his love is flowing out of our lives, it touches a lost world. 
So let's be steadfast. We don't know when the Lord Jesus will come back, but he keeps his promises. And this world might say he's not coming back, but they don't know what they're talking about. He's coming back. May we be watching and waiting. and May we be so close with him. And I mean it. May you and I be so close to our Lord that when that day comes, we'll just be caught up together with him in the cloud knowing that we'll forever be with him, never, ever to be separated. But until then, let's do our best to share that good news that we have. The good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. throne of mercy. It's the sound of our It's the sound of our Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettit and Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. As we come to Your throne of mercy It's the sound of our singing praise It's the sound of our 